You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Well, the guest extraordinaire today, the one and only Alex McKay, flew in all the way from Maine. Alex of Maine. They have airports in Maine? Is yeah, that a United a States? It is, state? but almost not. Okay. Almost, almost not. not. Yeah. It's basically Canada. You're yeah. way up there. Yeah. Way up there. Yeah, that's not too bad, though. People live in San Diego. That's all the way down there. Yeah, it's different. It's warm. You got Mises? You know, I've only ever seen one in in the state, and it died in my front lawn. Oh, dude. It it died in his front lawn. (laughs) Yeah, he had nothing to do I hit it with my car. (laughs) (laughs) It was walking around in circles, and it just laid down, and that was it. It was very sad. So then what do you do? Uh, I talked to the, the ranger, and he just said, leave it. For the birds, you know. So, so you had to. What? So you had to <laughs> watch <like> this twelve hundred <laughs> pound animal just rotting in your yard. Yeah, yeah. No, really, Bruce the moose. It's out there for a while. Bruce the moose. Wow. You named a dead moose. Did what they ins- going to do? It's there for a while. I mean, yeah. did they inspect the cause of death at all? Not like scientifically. They saw that it was walking in circles and just sort of made a guess. You know, it was pretty young. We have a huge tick problem up there mm-hmm. because it's getting warmer in the winter these days. So the ticks just stick around. Usually they would go to the water and just dunk and get them off themselves. But it's not really working, I guess, as much. Or the cold weather would take them off. I'm not sure the exact science behind it. But, yeah, now um, now they're just getting a lot of ticks and dying. The ticks, the ticks themselves kill them or the diseases from the ticks? I think the diseases, the diseases. But I've heard some weird stories about the ticks up there, man, that they, like – they like interlock their legs and make like webs of ticks and just you know float through the air and like a rat what? king, <laughs> yeah. like how rats entangle like their a, tails. Like a this hive show, just I can't really verify this. I've never actually <laughs> uh, seen this. This know. comment <laughs> section is going to be off the, you know, <laughs> off the charts. It's like a bee, a bee horror web. film. I'm kind of interested. <laughs> tick in web. So what's the status of Bruce now? Is he just like a, s- a skeleton? Uh, well, actually, so one of the people that used to work at the lab where my wife works came out and took the, the skull and cleaned it up and, and mounted it, I think, in their apartment. Why didn't she apartment. do that? She just had dibs. Did it have antlers? Uh, no. No. Oh, okay. So it was, it was really young. young. Yeah, it was really young. It wasn't a very big one. I've seen way bigger ones out west. I mean, that was, you know, I saw like five or six in my first couple of days when I was out in Teton. But, man, you have to go pretty far up north to really see them like Millinocket, Baxter State Park, but I live close to the coast, and it's, you know, it's deer territory. Deer territory. Yeah. And fish. Are you going to hunt for one? 
You going to hunt for a deer? I haven't. No, I mean, I'm just so busy working for you guys. You got guys. a bow. <laughs> you bought a bow. You've been shooting I did. it all. I got a bow. Yeah, I shoot on the weekends. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I've been so busy with, and then you guys are not going to, you know, you're going to give me shit for this. But oh wait, can I swear on the podcast? You, you just did. Demonetized. So yeah, no, um, I've been so busy with the kid, man. We've had you know daycare issues and i just don't have a ton of time so i've been doing it on sundays i go out and shoot um but other than that not really he's got a bunch of turkeys on his property too yeah yeah i love them i don't want to kill them because they come in to eat all the ticks yeah so they come in like a drove of like 40 of them i'm still picking up ticks flying through the air in a web a web of ticks i'm gonna i'm gonna get on youtube and google that (laughs) yeah one again i will say that the the sounds that turkeys make is wild wild you know i'd be getting up pretty early in the morning these days and i didn't know that they sounded like that you know the the toms that make some crazy you should talk to them man what do you mean get a call and talk to them invite invite them over (laughs) corn powell yeah Yeah. no i mean i'm just a weird developer guys and i'm not cool (laughs) like you guys well this is cool yeah (laughs) don't strive for it it. all right well welcome man i'm glad you're here yeah thanks i'm glad to be here there's been talk of trying to get a fishing trip while you're in town if we can put one together that's about the as far as we've gotten on the planning side of things other other than we strongly suggested zach's uh, we did honey hole which isn't a euphemism (laughs) Um, could be (laughs) if we had a pineapple Okay. <laughs> Don't bring inside jokes <laughs> to the masses here. Uh, no, but we strongly suggested that. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, yeah, we'll see what we can pull together. We were wanting to wait because it's raining this week, and we didn't want to like say we're going to go here and then get blown out or something. So yeah, the creeks I've been fishing lately could use some rain. If we get some rain, dirty the water up, bring it up a little bit, it actually would be really good. We could go hit some uh, smallmouth creek spots. But we'll just kind of see what happens. I have recently been absolutely bitten by the smallmouth creek fishing bug. It is it's incredible. hard to get off the brain this time of year. I'm, I can't wait to go back out. So yeah. I don't think you knew this. I just got a new rod. Did you? Yeah. I got, you I got, uh, we sent a, a customer member um, the wrong color rod. This okay. Abu Garcia Revo X uh-huh. plus Revo X. Uh it comes two colors, blue and a seafoam green. Okay. And all the marketing materials like blue is for boys, seafoam green <laughs> is for girls. <laughs> and so we okay. sent this customer. He wanted the blue. The image was of the blue and back-end issue. Sent him a, a seafoam green. He's like, this is the one I want. Uh, okay. like, all right, send it back. So we sent him the blue one, and I had cut the So the you got the girly green, rod now? And I was just in my office just, like, testing the action. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, pretty nice rod. So I'm like, well, if anyone, if I'm out fishing with it and anyone's like, well, that's kind of a girly rod, I'll just be like, that's my wife's. <laughs> so so I got home. It, dude. Come on. I didn't tell my wife about it. I go, I got you a present, but it's really for me. And she's like, what is it? I'm like, it's in the garage. I'll go show you. So I showed it to her. And she's like, oh, cool. And I'm like, well, I don't, I'm just going to say it's yours. If you want to use it, you can. But really, <laughs> it's just for me. It's just, I need you to to you own it so yeah. i need you to scapegoat it so i i can be allowed to have the seafoam green rod real combo but it's a real nice um it's a little bit heavier than the one that jake picked out oh um, a top rod top water rod no it's a is it medium heavy Medi- medium. medium it's a medium oh, okay. um, and i think the other one i recommend is the daiwa the same arid x that you have which one. they're just they are just lighter 
mm-hmm. their medium is just lighter. Yeah, because I think my reel can do up to 12-pound test, and that reel could do like 8 or 10-pound test as far as the rating. Yeah, that's a, a 30, size 30. You may have gotten a 25 in the other one. On mine, is a size 30, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was thinking we go up to the falls. Oh, and yeah. Go after those monsters. Dude, Phil and has I, been on me about wanting to go do that. Brad so. was talking about wanting to go again, too. Let's go, do a trip, boys. The kayaks. Yeah, Brad went out with us last time. It no, was awesome. Phil. Phil didn't get to go last no, time. He just, Derek. me and Derek were just telling him about the crazy buffalo we were catching. Alex, it was wild. Buffalo. We were up there. We were up there. Uh, and there's like these rapids where the falls are, and you put <laughs> put your line in the water, and you'd feel some monster take it and just pull out all of your line and then just snap the line. You'd just be like, "Well, <laughs> that literally happened to me. It took all the line off my reel. I was just sitting there. I was like, eh, and then I started taking turns with Derek. Did it, <laughs> didn't it break Derek's rod? No, no, he didn't have any rods. I just remember break. Derek was like shell shocked, and he was we were like having lunch or something on the rock. And Derek's like, uh, "I'm outgunned! Right. I'm outgunned! I'm I didn't bring enough firepower. Literally. There's some monsters in here, so we're gonna go back up there." And um, this is Falls of the Ohio. It's Falls mm-hmm. of the Ohio, okay. and we took kayaks into this, these like little islands that you can't get to from just like the parking lot access. So we were kind of over by ourselves on like the fossil beds, just and the water was so low down on kind of like the. It's like a dam, but then there's like a, a concrete pad almost that's like down there where the like water falls onto, kinda. and it's literally like an inch or two of water, and so you you can stand on that and fish like down the river, down the current, and these fish will grab it and then take off down current, and you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> and there's tons of rocks for them <laughs> yes. to break off on. I've yeah. never there's some mutants in that. In yeah. That water, oh, so. for sure. Oh. Yes, and the current adds like thirty pounds to the fish. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, we reeled a couple of them in those big old buffalo, but it seemed like the ones we got reeled in were the ones that got foul hooked. It was Mm -hmm. weird. I don't know how it happened. I feel like it was had to have been all stripers that were taking our. I think it was stripers and buffaloes, but we never reeled in any stripers. I don't think buffalo because I because I was casting into the current, and I don't think buffalo would be. Dude, it literally happened. We pulled them in. Look it up in there. We pulled well, them in. Like, we yeah. we cast into the current and we pulled them in. No, we, all like, the buffalo I was catching was, like, off to the side. Yeah. And like little well, yeah, you were kind of, like, down farther. We were all yeah. the way up by there. There's the, those big Asian carp in there, too, which yeah. you could snag one of those in the side. They're That's a little true. bit harder to hook. Like, they would actually intentionally bite your bait. Yeah. Didn't we both catch a gar? Uh, no, I didn't. I caught, a, like, I hooked a bunch, but I never landed any. I think I caught a gar. You did. You landed yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. And I landed a carp, an Asian carp, on accident. Uh, and then I sight fished. I think for one, it might have been another Asian carp. But, yeah, and then the, one of those buffaloes, just, or a striper or whatever it was, took everything I had. And I was just like, well. I had, like, a $14 lure. And I'm like, this is the perfect spot for it. That thing was, Instantly gone. That thing was <laughs> Instantly dope. Instantly, oh, like, oh, man, no, it was $14. You were the first one to hook into whatever those were with that yeah. lure. And then we just started throwing, like, white paddle tails on, like, a white umbrella jig head thing. Or not yeah. umbrella. I, I made the mistake of calling it last time on the podcast and got roasted. I don't remember what it was. It's something else. I remember you getting roasted, but yeah. I don't remember the details. <laughs> Send all your roasts to at Braden Ware. Yeah. <laughs> Go wild. Um, yeah. Speaking of doing fishing stuff, Lobster Man. Oh, what a transition. Do you have to – can anyone lobster fish in Maine? You have to have, like, a commercial license. Uh, no. If you're in the state, you can get a rec license. I think you can have maybe 30 traps, something around there. But it's just recreational. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That seems like a lot. That's a lot. Do you have to be a resident, or could you go up there? If you're on vacation, could you get like a... I don't think you can do it if you're not a resident. I'm not... Don't quote me on it, um, but I don't think you can. And it's getting probably a commercial very expensive. One is not if, easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to go through like a stewardship, and I mean, it's... Yeah, there are a lot of hours. It's Tell it's us a the story. How'd you get into it? How did I get into it? Uh, it's... I don't know. sort of a weird story, I guess. I... I was living in D.C. at the time, and um, my grandparents came into some pretty poor health, and I decided I was going to go up to Maine, where they lived, to help them out for the summer. And I was working part-time at a restaurant and also working part-time for this music festival. Um, and the restaurant was Luke's Lobsters in, mm. in D.C., and I had met the owner, Luke, super nice guy, and I told him what I was doing. I was like, like I'm gonna have to leave you guys I'm, I'm going up to Maine and it oddly enough uh serendipitously I guess um he he got a huge amount of his product from the town where my grandparents lived huh. Millbridge um and he hooked me up with a wharf manager up there wharf for manager. just like a job for the summer while I was helping with my grandparents and that was easily the hardest job I've ever had in my life working on the wharf I mean heavy lifting stinky fish you know, like what, what's a wharf what do you mean? It's a it's a big dock where um okay. where the boats come in. They will uh they'll refill. They'll get their bait, sell their lobsters or whatever they have. You know this one lobsters. Like, like technically where we went was the wharf. I think wharfs oh, okay. are generally commercial use, mm, okay. right? Like you wouldn't have private boats. That'd be more like a marine. You boat. could have like a private boat come and get fuel, but you're not gonna go out and get bait or sell lobsters. You're talking about when we went to Erie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was that's like warfish. Okay. Yeah, it's because it's different than a marina. Because yeah, I would have called like, it a marina. A marina is like I think for like private boats, and that's where you have like ice cream stands. And yeah, when I think of wharf, it's big commercial fishing boats. Yeah. Similar, I mean, this was a similar grimy, layout, grimy location. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like everything is covered in like an inch of fish fish grease from just the bait and stuff. I don't know if you. All right, so at lobsters, you bait them with with mostly herring. You can use other stuff, but a lot of people use herring. And the way you get it ready for the season is you sort of mix it with salt and sort of pickle it in the heat, and it just sort of gets nasty. Just outside? And, yeah, in these big uh, vats, you know, oh. and you just constantly have to – you take a forklift and you sort of dump some and throw some salt on it and mix it all together. You keep doing that until it gets real nice and oily because lobsters love oil. I mean, they just love huh. the grease. Um, anyway, so I was working there, and, I mean, that job sucked. So I worked – to the point where I could, you know, I got in with a with a with a fisherman, and he took me out on his boat the next season. And we were island fishermen, so we didn't go out super far, like those really big boats, you know, like the really the big, we call them the big taters, those guys that go the out there. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are little taters. We're little taters. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> tots. Uh, tots. Some tots. call those tots. <laughs> and they were, uh, you know, out there they run trawls, you know, 20, 20 traps to a string. Um, so they'll pull them all up. They'll go through their whole, you know, slew of traps in, in, in a day, maybe two. Um, we would go through ours in like four or five days, you know, because we're just doing single traps to a buoy, double traps to a buoy. And you uh, can't leave them overnight, right? Like you put them out in the morning, you pick them back up the same day? No, no. You leave them out for like three days. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The lobsters, they come in, they eat it. Um at the, the bait and get sort of trapped in the back and you come pick them up afterwards you know they go you might nice be thinking ride. of crab i think yeah, crab no, no, is I, like that i thought it was just like the same day they didn't would, soak would crabs get in your traps mm-hmm. yeah actually that was something that we would take home and just eat you know um we didn't sell them mm. they're usually jonah crabs they're really really good crabs actually 
So that's just a perk of the job. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of cool. Fresh. Yeah, we don't get any crabs here. And how long was the season? Well, we do, well it's just a different kind. <laughs> it depends on the fishermen. You know, some people go all year. They'll fish in the winter. Um, oh, so there's no, like, government restriction? Like So the only restrictions really are, like, the size of the lobster, um, whether it's a egg-bearing lobster, a female that bears eggs, um, things like that. Uh, as far as fishing time-wise, if you do it after sunup you can't fish before the sun breaches the horizon uh and for a lot of the summer you can't fish on sundays i think that was a rule that was put in place for the tourist season you know the boats mm. are loud and the tourists were complaining mm. but yeah no I mean, there's not a huge amount of rules and around that. how's the fishery up there are they still is it one of those things where it's like it's hard to get lobster like you used to or it's never been better or? uh it's it's kind of weird it's they they have had some record hauls in the past, um, probably five ten years something like that. But the lobsters are moving towards Canada. Um, they say that the Gulf of Maine has some of the warming, the fastest warming waters in the world, and the lobsters are just crawling right up to Canada where it's a little chillier. Mm. Um, but it is still good. I mean, they're making. I remember when I was working at the wharf, some of those guys that come in with. Like, four or five thousand pounds of lobsters you know i mean there's a lot of lobster and is lobster super cheap up there is it like you can get at the grocery store like ham or like horse meat here in kentucky (laughs) (laughs) you buy your horse meat at the grocery yeah kroger (laughs) they're always running the horse walk out to the field and get it yourself (laughs) no way man it's expensive oh is that yeah i mean it's probably not as much as it's here but yeah yeah, i mean we're they know what they got no transportation costs added on to it yeah yeah no Mm -hmm. i mean I don't know. I mean, if you go the the pl- same places that you would get a lobster roll, there are serving the tourist crowd, so they're gonna they're gonna mm. jack the prices up. I mean, is there a time of year that the lobster tastes better? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, so we usually say around July Fourth is when the shedders come in. Shedders, so lobsters like crabs, they they molt um, and they become soft shells. I mean, so soft that you could like poke your finger through them we call them rag dolls when they're like that they're just like these little <laughs> jello things that just go wobble around um and they harden up and at that point they're i mean you, you can catch you can still like just crack them open a little bit they're really really pretty soft but when they get sort of in between shedder and in between a hard shell hard shells when they're so hard that they're like they got barnacles on them you know they're really pretty rugged but in between that i call them a hard shedder i mean that's a simple thing to call them but that's when they're perfect because when they're soft they don't have a lot of meat in them. They may have a little bit of weight to them because they're full of water, but they just sort of like, there's not much to eat. You get right before they turn really hard, they're perfect because of meat, it's sweet, you know, it's just like, it's just really nice. But if you get to hard shell, really like dense lobsters, ah, they're kind of, you know, kind of dense like you'd imagine, you know, it's okay. Like so, chewier. Mm. So what is the main lobster dish that all the tourists, is it the lobster roll? Yeah, lobster yeah, roll. They'll go for yeah, yeah. I mean, and that what's in a lobster roll? I've eaten them, but I don't. Just cream man- cheese and just cream cheese. Yeah, <laughs> out, out with you. I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's just mayonnaise and lemon juice and lobster butter. I yeah, I know. And you, butter, yeah, yeah. butter. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I do it um, is you take the the hot dog bun, right? But it's sliced on top. Like a cheap hot dog bun. Uh, I use. A very specific brand. I like the Country Kitchen ones. Okay. Um, it's not a plug for Country Kitchen. I don't. Like <laughs> Alex is not affiliated <laughs> with Country Kitchen. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I use those, and then I do like a little bit of like a, a swipe of mayonnaise on each side, 
chilled lobster meat inside. Um, then you put the butter, which is already cut with lemon on top. I like to season it with a little bit of paprika and celery salt. And then that's it. Oh, sorry. The bun should be toasted. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. You guys come up. I'll make you some really good lobster rolls. I sure literally, if I'm anywhere, I was in Vegas and I uh, got a targeted Facebook ad for like in in a casino mall. There was like a lobster roll place. And I was like, good Facebook targeting. I'm going there. It was like, it's a 20 minute walk. And I'm like, I'm how much was way. it? I think it was like $25, $30 yeah. for a hot dog bun. Uh-huh. Well, it's like more, it was more like a hoagie. I probably took a picture of it. I'll show you after the podcast. <laughs> you usually have like a quarter pound of meat in it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a treat. Because <laughs> there was a lobster roll food truck uh, in Louisville for a bit, yeah. and they were like 20 bucks yeah. for, for a lobster roll. Random fun fact that I thought of. Did you know that Louisville had, and I'm going to get the facts of this wrong, but the gist of the fact is the largest saltwater aquarium in the world yeah, yeah. At the airport. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because we bring it all in. Yeah, and then <laughs> they like, so all that fresh seafood they would, like, let, in between plane flights, I guess, let rebreathe or whatever, and then they'd reprocess it mm-hmm. into boxes on its next destination. How about that? Hmm. Interesting. What was the training process Say like? Say your snide more. Uh. I can tell. It's got a face like, uh. um, like... I think Dan is right about that, actually. I've heard that, too. Thank you, you Alex. I didn't say he was wrong. That's right. Just not that exciting for me. Put your cream cheese on your lobster roll. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious what the training process is like to become a lobsterman. Uh, Sink or swim, you know? Uh, (laughs) You're on the boat now. What's the hazing like? (laughs) Uh, It's a lot of abuse. No, I mean, yeah, it depends on who you go with. I mean, you're you're, you're basically on a boat with, you know, one other guy or maybe two other guys if you're going on a bigger one. Um, Hmm. And I picture a lot more dudes. I figured it'd be like full of people. No, I mean, there's one guy sort of driving the boat, pulling the buoys and, you know, pulling the traps up. The other guy um, pulling the lobsters out, measuring them, banding them, rebating the trap. I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward, you know? And are you getting paid like hourly or are you getting paid like a, a quarter percentage? Of the catch. Quarter of the catch. Quarter oh. of the catch. That's pretty good. Yeah, it depends on the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. But it's like it's brutal work, right? Like you're waking up at like duck hunting hours. Yeah, you know. I I look back on it with like a mixture of nostalgia and just absolute dread. um, Yeah. Because yeah, I mean you're getting up early. You know, in the part of Maine where I was living, the sun rises. You know, (laughs) four. Yeah, like four thirty is like the earliest there. I think maybe maybe like four forty five something like that. Um, but I was living you know like a half hour away, and I. I would drive there. So I was getting up at like two and getting to the wharf at four, loading up, going out. Um, but, you know, you catch the most jaw-dropping sunrises. You know, they're amazing. It's I'm sure. beautiful out there. Some days it sucks. Some days it's cold. I mean, finishing out the season in November is not great. You know, it's the boat is icy and, you know, it's chilly. It hurts. Um, the storms start to come on in the fall. So you end up doing a lot of like trap moving, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll place a lot of traps in, in some risky areas behind the islands where the waves really come up if a storm comes up. And so you spend a lot of time, like one day we had to move all of our traps cause there was like a nor'easter coming and we had to get them out of there. They're just going to get totally wrapped up around rocks, you know, destroyed. 
So yeah, some days it sucked. Some days it was great. It was beautiful. So, yeah. yeah. Is the territorial like nature of that ever come into play? Like this was, is this is my, my gonna, area. I literally was about to ask that Dude. same question. Um, that makes you know, me I nervous heard. that I'm synced up with Dan. <laughs> yeah. I heard about it more than I saw it. You know, okay. um, there were stories. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, there was a story about a fisherman in Portland, which is you know the biggest city down there in, in more southern Maine, where they they burned a, another guy's boat down because he was fishing in their area. Um, it's not officially his area, right? It's like no, you can fish wherever you want. Okay, yeah, technically. technically. If you want your burnt, boat, if you want your down. boat burned, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like the um, Wild West. Yeah, it is kind of like, it's, it's like being a sea cowboy, you know? Sea cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> that should be your Twitter handle. <laughs> um, but, you know, the I never I never saw any of that. I mean, we would get people shit, you know? We would get on the on the radio and be like, well, what are your traps doing over here? Like, that kind of thing. Um, Can you was, tell by buoy whose yeah, traps yeah, yeah. it were? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to memorize the color pattern, but, yeah, you can tell who it is. Um, people so they, generally stuck to where they stuck to, also because that's... You know, they fish where where they've had luck, and people sort of just establish their areas. It's not so much like somebody comes in, he's like, new guy in town, he's going to beat up the other guy, or I guess we're in jail now, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> but I guess, like, similar. <laughs> I guess, like, everyone knows when the boat comes in how big everyone else's haul is. Like, it's kind of public info, like, oh, this boat is getting twice as much as everyone else. Where are they fishing at? Well, yeah, not, I mean, not... Sort of indirectly, because um, yeah. they sell to the people that work at the wharf, and the people that work at the wharf. I hope they're not listening, but they are some big gossips. Let me tell you. Mm. And so, yeah, they'll they'll share that information with other fishermen, mostly to sort of give, give them a little jab. Yeah. Like, yeah, so and so came in with like four billion pounds the other day. This is a you got like two crates of lobsters here, man. You know what are you doing? So, oh, because like they're just their big thing is they just want as many lobster at the wharf as possible. Well, I mean, you mean like the the the, the wharf people. Well, <laughs> I mean, they don't want to work very much, so they want, you know, yeah, oh, really? they don't want to haul them up too much. But yeah, I mean, the the goal of the wharf is to sell as many lobsters as they can. I was kind of wondering if there was a little bit of like scarcity limiting, like they want to no, make I mean, it seem like there's not that many. So I don't know. They do things, and I don't know the economics of this, but they'll build a lobster pound, which is one of the first things they did when, when I was there. Cause you can't farm lobsters. It's illegal to farm lobsters. I did not know that. Um, so what they'll really? do is they'll, they'll build a pound, which is like, if so imagine you have a cove and the wharf is like this big dock. That's pretty high up in the air. So you can accommodate big tides and whatnot. Right. And it just shoots across, um, uh, the, the entire bay. Right. What they'll do is they'll wall off, the in, innard side, uh, so that when so it retains water, um, and they'll they'll toss some of the lobsters they want to hold in there, not quite sell yet, and then sell them later. I don't really know how that works economically for them, but that's sort of the closest thing they do. I'm surprised you can't farm raise them. It seems like that would be kind of environmentally friendly. Yeah, um, I mean, you know how things go. There's the Lobster Fishermen's Association. They have a lot of power in the state. You know, yeah, I would just imagine you'd have to label it farm-raised and, you know, market prices would be less. But I read an article about it the other day in, in the paper. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's talk, but there's no movement, I don't think. Mm. Right now the biggest thing that's going on is the right whales. I don't know if you heard about that, but mm – -mm. The right whales are this endangered species. Did we hear about that? Well, you didn't hear about I'm it. Not, make it. It on <laughs> not, not super deep into the lobster culture these days. Well, okay. So the right whales are this endangered species of whale, um, and there's talk 
I don't believe I'm going to, if there's anyone from Maine listening, who's, you know, on either side of this argument, they're probably going to, you know, roast me, but cool. Looking forward um, to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's talk that there's, you know, they get tangled up in the gear, you know, because the, the ropes, you know, we're talking about people that fish at the edge of the bottom there. So it's like, you know, 300 feet deep, right? And so these, Jeez. these whales are running into the, um, to the lines, getting tangled up, dying, they say. Oh. The scientists say. I don't think there is any examples of that yeah i don't I'm think trying that, to like picture a taut line yeah and then a whale just going just rolling it's like, oh, yeah, bill I mean, what are you doing man just swim I'm around trapped, I'm the only time i've ever caught anything in the line was a, a cormorant you know a bird one yeah. of the birds that does the weird v I'm thing familiar. Mm-hmm. yeah um i it too came have totally experience changed. catching Okay. Birds while fishing. <laughs> Don't share it. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep you out of jail here. Don't talk about that. <laughs> so I, I was going to ask the question that you just kind of answered of how deep these things are. You're saying 300 feet? Uh, yeah, the people that fish at the edge of the bottom, I think I've heard them say like 350 to 400, but I don't know. Dude, I've never been out wow. there. Yeah. I mean, that would be a lot of rope. So right? here's, here's, so the, like here's the, the difference. Yeah, okay. So that's, I mean, that's one of the things. Those guys that go out there and fish the deep waters, I mean, that's – it's dangerous. I mean, if you don't pay attention, you got to have your head on right, you know, because you're, like I said, they're fishing trawls, so they've got 20 traps to a string, right? And you can imagine if they got in, they got one end of the string, another end, each with buoys, right? And those are floating up to the to the surface, so you got that much rope on each end, yeah. and you got the rope between the traps. Yeah, so it's kind of like a net almost. So you well, like the hor- without the horizontal lines. Think about this, like this like big U shape kind of thing, right? Oh, it's a U. So there's not like individual lines coming down off the. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's one I line see. on the end, one line on the other end, and it's just and they haul them all up, and then they put all they stack all the traps on on the stern of the boat, right? Okay. So you get 20 traps stacked on the back, and you can imagine how much rope is on the deck at that mm-hmm. point, right? So yeah, they. What happens is you know, you you set one of them, you push one of the traps off the off the stern, and they just go boom, 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 oh. right? So you want to watch where your feet are. <laughs> just get wrapped <laughs> three hundred foot down. Just get. Yeah, so I mean that's why when oh. you're out there, when you're in your um, in in your your oil plants, you you have a you know a knife strapped to your chest. So if you do get wrapped up, you can just you know cut the cut the rope and. You know, get yelled at by the captain for for cutting the rope. Yeah, because I'm not connected. <laughs> yeah. He's mad. He's like, just go down. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I only heard about it happening once to one guy, but he didn't actually get caught up in the rope. He got caught up in, I want to say, like the gaff got caught up in something, and he got it hooked him on his his hoodie's you know stomach pocket. pocket and just went down. I think he got the bends, but I think he was fine. Oh, it took him so down he, that far. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because you go down pretty quick, you know. Mm. I think they're they're weighted, so yeah. Huh. Anyway, so Amazing. the right whales thing is is interesting. Too, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now they're there's all this. I don't know if they've actually implemented it yet, but they're trying to get the fishermen to switch over to ropeless traps, which is mind-boggling. Like well, they use magnets. <laughs> magnets. <laughs> use a big magnet like magnet fishing and pull them up. <laughs> Four hundred feet. <laughs> Maybe I think the the main technique they are they're looking at is buoyancy. So they'll you know like trigger radio it. control. Yeah, yeah. Which mm. to me sounds no, it's dumb. Magnets like a disaster. <laughs> just because those. I mean, I remember being out there how many times and this is with rope so maybe the rope not being there is not going to be an issue but you would get wound up because the tides you know they go in and out and your traps go with it you know they don't just sit there you know, they, they get moved you know this ocean's strong right and so we would get hung up all the time trying to pull our traps up 
all the time. So I imagine these guys are going to lose a lot of gear when they switch over to the buoyancy stuff. And that would be if it's not tethered to anything. Yeah, That's and the traps would be like three times as expensive if you had to have like yeah. some sort of. Yeah, so them being forced to switch over is causing some financial headaches, I think. Isn't that the whole thing with, like, whales and the Navy? It's, like, all the radio waves in the water is, like, scrambling whales' brains and stuff. Yeah. I didn't know about that. I mean, I'm not up on my my whale news, guys. Yeah, I got to get caught back up with these poor whales out yeah. there. Well, your brother would know something about that, I imagine. My brother is in the Navy. He That's d- all I he can say. He has a lot of <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> was a submariner. Uh, he never gave me any good whale stories, though. Just too much of a nerd. Whale. He's, yeah, he's in the he's in the reactor room. He's in the belly. The belly, the, belly, the beast. Is he travel around a lot? Do what? Is he traveling around a lot right now? Uh, he was stationed in Japan for all of COVID, so we didn't get to see him. And he just moved back, and he's stationed in Washington State now. Just moved back in May, April. Thought of being in a submarine just—that's <laughs> yeah. crazy. That's like a whole other podcast. But you just hear stuff that—that that, you know they deal with. I mean, he was doing some stuff where they would, because literally the only reason they have to come up is for food, and if they don't run out of food, they can stay underwater for months and not surface. Wow. All the air is recycled. All the water is recycled. It's nuclear powered, so there's no fuel. It's literally just food. And he said that the chef is the most important person on the boat. (laughs) And they had, they went to port once and one of their chefs went, or their main chef guy went AWOL. And it was like the boat couldn't even leave port. It was like that one guy being like, nope, I'm out. I'm just going to stay in Thailand or wherever they were. It's like, that's it. Um, But yeah, the submarines are crazy. But as far as whales go, I don't know all that stuff's out. You'd probably get those buoyancy traps, and then you'd have, like, a whale just, like, swimming along, and then all of a sudden just, like, a <laughs> trap with an airbag just bonks them on the head. Giving whale concussions <laughs> yeah. now. As far as I know, the lobster we should start industry putting helmets is on them. very, I mean, it seems sustainable to me from, you know, the way they fish, you know, the way they mark the females, the size regulations, all that stuff. I mean, the number of lobsters they catch, it seems like they're doing all right, you know. They're all over the place. Uh, so, so, go ahead. I have a question about egg-bearing female lobsters mm-hmm. because I caught <laughs> <laughs> I caught a blue crab in Florida one time and picked it up. I was like, oh, you can keep and eat these. Flipped it over, and it has what looks like a an orange sponge on its stomach. And I was like, ooh, that looks different. So I looked it up on my phone real quick and tossed it back in because those were eggs. Yeah. Is that what a lobster eggs looks like? Yeah, so like you know the underside of the tail of the lobster, how it kind of sort of fins in and it's got sort mm-hmm. of a concave area. Um, those fill up with, I think they say like more than 10,000 eggs. Um, Whoa. And they look like, if you were to look at it, it kind of looks like one giant, you know, blackberry. You know, they call them buried lobsters, uh-huh. you know. And yeah, I mean, they uh, when you catch one of those, yeah, they go overboard. But first what you do is, if they don't have this already, is you cut a little V-shaped notch into the uh second from the right fin uh, or i guess that's what you call it the on, on the tail and that when they molt that that scar persists so if that lobster gets caught again and you check it and like, oh this one's got a v notch you, you throw it back in even if it doesn't have eggs mm-hmm. huh yeah that's how they sustain the yeah, population that's, how, so you, smart. that's yeah. how the fishing stays good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's amazing what conservation does to help these 
boy, animals. It's pretty yeah, cool. It's great. And there's a whole other podcast we could talk about your time with your other company of your what was that effort carbon removing carbon from the ocean carbon yeah yeah uh carbon sequestering yeah we were farming oysters yeah yeah so that's a whole other podcast but alex <laughs> yeah. is deep into this stuff I, on a nerdy level i know i view maine as like alex is both sides of maine there's like the weathered wharf old school maine people and then a bunch of like eco hippies <laughs> it's pretty accurate and a couple of dead moose eco hippie it's meese meese sorry we so gotta sure. do our next retreat up there oh that's a good idea i would love to man we gotta we gotta start putting that bug in uh in brad's ear about the retreat because i feel i don't know if it's better to do it before the launch of our new product or after the launch of our new product when we have to sustain? I think it's going to have to be after. No, we usually just do it in the middle of turmoil yeah. and chaos. Like, oh, someone's like, launching next the, week, like, literally. <laughs> or like we launch it and then we go to yeah. Maine yeah. to so not support for Speaking of Brad, he requested that we make this a short one for Alex because he's a super – He's got something to build. Yeah, he like, you know – Things to work on. Builds all the stuff that we do, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I made that clear transition from lobstering to – programming so yeah that's another very, podcast very in itself very, yeah. too yeah <laughs> <laughs> he learned everything he needed to know about coding from lobster yeah that's right mm-hmm. well make sure you all log this episode get your points get your rewards tons of stuff going on this summer um i've alluded to a couple times on shows there's a bunch of cool rewards free stuff coming in with our new partner gun broker we're going to be putting some sweet swag out there for you guys to to get over the next year or so so get them points hey see you thanks guys thanks